We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to-do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. This episode is brought to you by John Cat Educational, a leading independent publisher with six decades of experience supporting teachers and school leaders. Learn about research-based, easy-to-use professional development books, for your entire faculty by visiting us.johncatbookshop.com. This podcast is one of the podcasts that I recorded at FETC earlier this year. If you would like to have me come out and speak at your conference or at your district, please go to jethrojones.com and you can connect with me there. Thanks so much. Enjoy this interview. All right, welcome to Transformative Principle. I am really excited to have Tom Murray here with me. He is the Director of Innovation for Future Ready Schools. So, Tom, welcome. Thanks for being here. Uh, it's awesome to be here. Thanks for having me, my friend. Well, I am uh, just so excited to talk to you in person. Been a follower and a fan for a long time, so this is always a pleasure. So, thank you. Everywhere I go, there's amazing educators just like yourself. So, it's uh, an honor <laughs> to connect with you as well and admire your work in the podcast. Well, thanks, man. So, I want to start out like you've been talking about a bunch of stuff in your sessions here at the conference. But what is it that you are excited about in education today? So getting to work nationally, I get to to be with educators all across the country. No matter where I go, as I just shared a moment ago, last week, Louisiana, this week, Florida, you know, no matter where I go, there's amazing people working their hearts out for kids. And so what I get excited about is nationally, I'm seeing this swing back in the past couple of years to social emotional learning, looking at cultural relevance, looking at 
really kids is far more than data points and test scores. And so um, it's really viewing the child as the individual, their interests, their passions, their strengths, recognizing there's far more to schooling than taking a test and performing on a, on a test. And so what I'm excited about is I'm not just hearing that in circles of teachers. I think teachers have always talked about that. Right. Um, but I think, you know, where we're seeing it far more in areas of superintendents, state superintendents, um, and those as well. And so I think we've uh, got a long way to go, but at the same time, I have a lot of hope when it comes to that. Uh, educators are just amazing people. You know, they're the people that are just, they go and they go and they go and they give until they have nothing left. And when you take educators and you give them opportunities to allow kids to shine and you give them opportunities to to see the child as a whole, whole child, amazing things happen. And I have a lot of hope because I'm seeing a lot of that. Yeah, that's very cool. So what, what do you attribute that change in mentality to? Because along, uh, not too many years ago, it was all about the test, all about data, and that was what drove everything. So it's interesting. When you look at something like No Child Left Behind, you know, on one hand, it gets trashed across the board from educators from the right and from the left. It was, a you know, at the highest levels, something politically a lot of people ran on and ran against. You know, when you look at it, I think one hand, No Child Left Behind forced us to look at data in a different way. And so if there's anything really good that came out of it, in my opinion, is it forced us to look at things like subgroups. And it forced us to look at things such as, you know, the social or not social emotional, sorry, the, the SES, the economic side of, you know, are our students that have been marginalized in the past, are our students that have come from low income, how are they performing? You know, and for years it had been, here's a high performing school district. But when you drill down, you know, you might have a 95% graduation but if 35% of your Hispanic students are graduating, like we've got a problem. And so No Child Left Behind really forced us to look at that. But the problem became obviously that when the pendulum was swing and we start to tie in teacher accountability and we start to tie in money and we start to, that's where it obviously went completely haywire. And so when you look at something like that, I think ESSA with the new law of the land, I think it's helping in the sense of it. It's not as driven by, you know, if you're not proficient, hundred percent proficiency, which everybody kind of laughed at from the get go, I understand you can't come across and say, well, 5% of your kids are allowed to fail because right. that doesn't come across either there. <laughs> as well. But obviously people knew that's just an unrealistic benchmark. If you've ever worked with children, like, you know, that's not feasible, but ESSA gives more, it's really taken things that were federal in nature, given a lot more power back to states. Now states have been taking a, a couple of years to really rework. What does it look like for their ESSA plan? So they have a lot of um, control. So when the federal money goes to them, they have a lot of say now in terms of where that goes. We're under no child left behind. There was a lot of purse strings that were attached to very strict kind of, this is the way it works where states now have a lot of control. And so the, um, the positive to that as well as local control is also um, much higher. So I say it's positive, assuming local control makes good decisions for kids, because we know that's not always the case. And so, you know, sometimes you get boards that run completely for the wrong reasons and make a lot of decisions that negatively impact kids, um, you know, but local control at the end of the day, that's the way it's, it's, it's written. And so I think that's one piece. I think also we've seen so many tragedies in our schools, um, you know, on a real serious note, so many school shootings and so many things like that, that it's really forced us to look at, like, why are those things happening? Where is it coming from? And, you know, I don't mean that from a political end on the left or on the right, but it's really forced us to evaluate and really look at, there's far more to life than academics. But then there's also research and things out there. You know, when you study all the valedictorians that are out there and really it comes back and say, it's, those aren't the smartest people, or I shouldn't say smartest, those aren't the people that do the best in life. It's often the person that, you know, that it's worked the hardest or has the work ethic and that side of things. And I think people are realizing more and more of that. And 
other thing I'd say I'm excited about, because it really is all going hand in hand. When you look at things such as like the career and the tech institutes around the country, you know, under No Child Left Behind, it was almost like, here's your four-year college box and that's the expectation and that's where you have to fit. But we completely got rid of people's interests and passions and strengths and so many of the hands-on things like you ever pay a plumber on a Saturday, like they're doing okay, you know, or an electrician, you know? And so a lot of those trades, I think under no child left behind almost got looked at as like, no, you need to go to a four-year college. And so it did a disservice to those kids that really wanted to work with their hands or those careers that are vital, that pay well, that can be great careers for kids. So another thing to answer your question, I think we're seeing this swing back to that. You know, you see places like Forbes come out with like, where have all the, the trades gone and, and why are, they've got all these jobs that are out there that we can't fill because we aren't training kids to often work with their hands. But that's that's turning now. And I'm seeing across the board last week being in Louisiana, they're doing so many incredible things with their kids that are creating programs that they're leaving high school with skills needed to go right into the workforce in so many different ways. And so it's another thing that gives me hope, but it's another thing that we're recognizing. This isn't all about taking a test. This isn't all about saying it's just math and just reading. It's about saying, what are you good at and how can we help amplify you to get there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It it seems like the push a few years ago was we need to get everybody to be the same. And then we're now saying, wait a minute, we don't want everybody to be the same. We don't want everybody to have the same exact aspirations. We want people to do things that they're going to enjoy and be good at. And I think that that piece of of that shift has been huge. And in my own career, just seeing that at different schools where I've been a principal, I've seen so much of that change from where it is like all or nothing about the test. And now it's like, okay, we'll take the test and we'll take it seriously. But that's not going to rule our lives, you know? You know, it's interesting because it also goes to the whole common core, which has become a debacle in so many senses. Um, And again, I don't mean that politically, but you just look at numbers and you look at states and look at those things. The basic premise was that a fourth grader in New York and a fourth grader in Mississippi should be basically in the same spot. Like that's the initial premise. And I have talked to many people that were in quote unquote the room. My former boss was a former governor who was one of the original governors that, you know, Republicans and Democrats said this is a good thing. States are spending millions and millions of dollars to come up with standards that look really similar to the state next door. And so it was really this premise of like what you're doing in Alaska versus what we're doing in Pennsylvania. If it's a fourth grader should be roughly at the same point. And that was really that basic premise. But like anything in education, it becomes politicized or now it gets tied to a test and then it gets tied to money. And then, then it all goes by the wayside and goes all, all goes haywire. And so, um, you know, what gives me hope, though, again, is really going back to giving kids the opportunities that they need to thrive, recognizing that children are far more than data points and test scores, and just seeing place after place doing that. We've got a long way to go, and no place is perfect, and no place is going to say we've arrived and we're there. But I would tell you, it gives me a lot of hope to see the amazing things happen in schools every day. Yeah. Well, and what's so fascinating to me is that no matter what you're doing, because you're working with humans, it's going to be complicated. It's going to be complex. It's going to be difficult to measure effectively. And so what you really need from the people who are working directly with the kids is that desire to do the best that they possibly can, recognizing that they're probably not going to be perfect. And that's okay, too. And and what I see is like this really challenging belief that that you can be a great teacher, 
but not be perfect. And so the expectations are that you are perfect, that you do have amazing lessons and they're, you know, Instagram classrooms and that kind of stuff. And, and like, that's not what really matters. What really matters is you actually doing the work. And one of the things I try to do on this podcast is interview people who are actually doing that work because it matters a lot that they have that opportunity and experience to share what they're doing because we think, you know, a lot of people think education is one way. And then I interview people all over the world who are like, actually, education is like this. And it's it's just inspiring, like you were saying. I'm not physically going to all these places, but virtually I and all my listeners are as well. So we can we can feel and see what's happening all around the world. And it's it's super inspiring. So thinking of, of that context, when you think about what the future looks like in the next you know, five to 10 years, what are some of the things you see that are, are really going to be vital to what we're doing in education that could be, could be things that we haven't focused on yet, but that we need to be focusing on yeah. more? I've always been hesitant to be the person that jumps on like the next tool, the ex virtual reality or augmented reality right. kind of thing. And I think there's places for that stuff, but until it becomes, you know, you get often and, and, you know, at a conference like this, those, those sessions will be highlighted and everybody wants to jump in and what does it look like? But realistically, from what I've seen, it's often like, well, here's one lesson in a given month that kids get to experience it, which can be a great experience. And I'm not, I'm really not knocking it. I'll support it. But if every child doesn't have that opportunity, I don't want anything to do with it because to me, equity is really a key piece to that. But going back to the equity thing, I think, you know, more and more districts are really putting that on the forefront, whether it's equity and access at home and recognizing connectivity of issues at home, um, taking a look at equity opportunities in our schools. And I think we're becoming more and more cognizant of like who has what opportunities does all really mean all. And so as, as we move forward, um, because I know a lot of CCSSO, for instance, that's the cheat safe school officers, that's the state chiefs, uh, secretaries of ed from all the different states, their organizations highly focused on making sure that every child has every opportunity. And I know it's certainly much easier said than done, but taking a look at, um, you know, things like our discipline rates and are there disparities there or who's in our clubs, which students aren't represented and, you know, those kinds of things. And so I think as we look out, we'll see a continued focus on things like equity because it's again, going back to the connection to the whole child and to social emotional learning and all those pieces and recognizing the, that it's far more than sorting and selecting kids, which we really got into and the no child left behind piece there. But as I look out, you know, I think, you know, technology will continue to play a major role in that. But my hesitation is I would say five years from now, 10 years from now, we'll also be wasting a lot of tech money on technology. And I'm a huge fan of ed tech, but the amount of money that gets wasted in tech every year is astronomical. And so, you know, I think it's continued to evolve of how do we shift pedagogy? One of the biggest hopes I do have is there's a lot of work being done in the past year in the past, and, you know, and into the future and a lot of money being invested in this idea of learning sciences. And when I say invested in, I mean, from grants and, you know, uh, places that are funding, it really is taking a look at how does the brain work? How does the brain function? Well, let's turn around and match that to education. And if we know the brain needs breaks, if we know the brain needs needs to be active, if we know the brain is social, what are those things that really impact it? Then connecting those to the classroom. And so it really is taking and breaking down some of the silos between your neurosurgeons and your cognitive, uh, I shouldn't say neuroscientists, your neuroscientists, not surgeons, your neuroscientists, your cognitive scientists and behavior scientists and educators and putting it and saying, if we know how kids learn, then here's what we can do in the classroom. And so it gives me a lot of hope moving forward because it's really the science of learning. And so the more we know about that, the more we have the opportunity to really allow kids to thrive in a way that we're leveraging their interests, passions, and strengths in safe environments. It really all goes hand in hand. 
John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to see the latest publications, whose exciting ideas include overcoming the extrovert ideal in our schools, creating bottom-up transformation that promotes buy-in from all educators, and improving formal and informal continuous learning opportunities for teachers. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide to amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes. So in the last couple of years, I have taken a very different approach to what learning in quotes is. Is learning just, you know, going through a curriculum? Is it taking tests? Is it doing homework and classwork and whatnot? And what I've, the approach I've taken is every time a student has a challenge and overcomes it or doesn't overcome it, that is a learning opportunity. And so regardless of what that looks like or what it is, that is there and available. And so we had, uh, in my school, we did this thing where that we called Synergy, which was kids chose a passion project and they spent a lot of time, an hour and 40 minutes, twice a week. It was amazing that we could devote that much time to it and they could, were able to go deep in this stuff. This one kid wanted to build a 3D printer. And so we bought the kit and it was a kit and he just had to follow directions. But this kid could not get it to work. And he failed at building a 3D printer and he had a lot of time to do it. And in talking with him and his parents about that situation, you know, I said, well, how do you guys feel about this? And they said, well, we're frustrated that he didn't do it because it wasn't like he didn't have this sense of accomplishment that he finished it. And I said, well, what, when did he give up? Like, at what point was that? And he didn't give up until like a week before it was due and he knew he couldn't finish it. And for that kid to persevere through all that trial and difficulty and get it almost there and then realize it didn't work and have to take it apart and then put it back together again, that was a huge learning experience that taught that social emotional piece of perseverance and how to handle that and how to keep going. And it wasn't easy, but that was a huge learning piece that in school, we just haven't recognized that before. But recognizing that with him was really powerful for both his family and him. Yeah, it really gets to the heart of one of the things I wrote about in Personal and Authentic around failing forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether I'm a teacher, a superintendent, or a student, you know, in the classroom, if, if children look it up at us as a teacher, as this perfect person that knows it all, that knows all the standards, that knows all the content, that does it perfectly every time, they can't relate to you. Yeah, And so those moments where things don't go your way, if I'm a principal, those moments where I'm standing in front of a faculty and I own, you know, gang, I, I made that decision a month ago and it didn't go as planned and I'm going to own that. And I'm sorry about that. We're going to go in a different direction. That moment of vulnerability staff respects, just like in a classroom when things don't go our way or, and I'm not talking about being poor planned or that kind of thing, but we work with kids, things are going to happen, (laughs) but owning it and showing, you know, guys, that did not work the way I thought it was going to work. Kids respect that. And so that idea and that notion of failing forward really gets to the heart of what you were saying. And um, whether I'm a superintendent, or a principal, the opportunity to model that failing forward through adversity is really, that, that's a life skill. And to me, that's such a, a vital component of when things don't go your way, how do you respond? And yeah. to me, that is a vital life skill. I think educators are really perfectionists. They want to do it well. It comes from it comes from the fact of how much they care. Like they just, they care. They want to do it well. So when that lesson doesn't go as well, it's easy to get down on ourselves or be bummed. And uh, as opposed to looking at it and saying, you know, like, yeah, that, that own it. Didn't go as well as I thought learn from it and continue to move forward with it. Yeah. And, and being able to learn is what is so vital. And like, and that's why it's funny that 
a learning institution like a school is full of perfectionists who are afraid to fail because that's where the learning happens. And, and it's okay for that to happen, you know? Yeah. It's one of the dichotomies I think we often see is teachers are sometimes, the, so teachers, great teachers push kids every day to learn something new and try something new. Yet sometimes we can be so resistant in our own learning and in our own trying something new. And so that sense of vulnerability, I think, is important to show kids that it's okay to try something and fail. It's okay to try something and be new at it. It's okay to stand in front of kids and say, you know, guys, I don't know a whole lot about this. Mm -hmm. Let's learn this together. Kids respect that. And I think that um, that can be really a driving force in an effective school. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a a final question I'm going to ask you. But before I do that, tell us about Future Ready Schools, what it is, what you do there, and why people should pay attention to it. Sure. So I encourage people to check out futureready.org. We are a bipartisan nonprofit. We raise money every year to be able to support school and district leaders around the country, and there's no catch. People always ask me, what's the catch? What's the catch? What are you trying to sell? And we don't sell anything. And we we really raise money to do the work that we do. So everything from a variety of events, and we recognize, you know, a two-day event doesn't change things in a district. We know that, but we see it as a spark, as a starting point, as a shot in the arm, as a refocus on things that are most important. We work with districts on, on visioning and planning. We have a lot of tools. The Future Ready Dashboard is a tool that a few thousand school districts are already using um, and taking a look. We have a lot of resources. And so it's a culmination of resources and supports and visioning tools um, and events all run by practitioners. And I think that's one of the things we're most proud of is that it's it's very practitioner-based. It's not 50,000-foot Washington, D.C. saying, here's what you should be, do. I've never been there and done that. When you take something like our Future Ready Framework and you go down a little bit deeper and you look at the principal framework for principals that builds off that, well, that was written by 20 principals. So it's all written by those doing the work and leading work. So it's very grounded in evidence. It's very research-based in that regard, but it's also uh, very much run by practitioners who continue just to keep us grounded in the work and where do we need to go where the conversations we need to have, where do we need to be in three years. So I encourage people to check it out at futureready.org. If they want a full list of resources all in one spot, futureready.org slash connect will point them to many resources that we have, at all of them at no cost. Yeah. And and what's amazing is that it's not just grounded in research and best practices, but also in common sense, because you don't have, you know, somebody who has no idea what it could look like in there doing the work. And that's what I think is so powerful about the frameworks that are there for the different different groups of people. So I think that's really powerful. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for asking that. So the last question is, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you? So one of the things that I really want to impress on people is those those quick interactions that we have. If I'm a principal, I'm walking through the hallway. Sometimes I'll work by dozens of people. If I'm a principal having a quick interaction, quick phone call, I'd say find a handful of people in your staff that you love and respect, that you think are great leaders, but they may not look at themselves as leaders. They get up in the morning and brushing their teeth. You know, I'm thinking about my custodian when I was an elementary principal. I'm thinking about a support staff member when I was a middle school principal. People that didn't see themselves as school leader, yet I did. And so I would find those people, pull them aside and say, you know what, We're, I've been reading about leadership or thinking, about, I heard a podcast, they were talking a little bit about leadership. You know, when they asked about leadership or thinking about leadership, I thought about you. And as a custodian, I want to let you know, you know, as a principal, some days when I'm out, I don't know if people recognize me. You're <laughs> out, all heck breaks loose, right. right? And so I would say, find a handful of people this week that you view as leaders, but don't have any sort of fancy business card and pull them aside and spend two to three minutes building them up, being authentic and real on things you respect about them because you never know where that person's at. 
And it might be one of those things you assume that they know, but to pull that aside and say for two or three minutes how much you respect their work and why and being specific about it, I think can um, can be something they never forget. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great advice. And thank you again for being part of this. People can follow Tom on Twitter at Thomas C. Murray. And you can also uh, go to futureready.org to learn more about him and thomascmurray.com, right? That's correct. Thanks for having me. Yep. Um, this has been really great. This is episode 324. So you can get all the show notes at transformativeprinciple.org slash episode 324. Thanks so much and have a wonderful day. Hey, this is Jethro. Thanks so much for listening to that episode of Transformative Principle. I hope that you enjoyed it. And I want to remind you, I am going out on my own. So I'm looking for uh, opportunities to help schools implement things that are related to student-driven learning. So if you'd like to work with me, please go to jethrojones.com. And you'll be able to enter your information there and we can schedule a chat to talk and figure out how we can help move kids forward and be in control of their own learning. Thanks so much. That's JethroJones.com. Thank you to our valued partner, John Cat Educational. If you are a leader looking to make transformative change by providing yourself and your teachers with professional development that is research-based and rigorous, yet easy to digest and full of practical strategies, Check out the latest publications from John Cat. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to find information or learn more in our show notes. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com slash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.